The elders have assigned to me an impossible task. I am in advance of what happens today to give an apology for what will follow. <laughs> Increasingly difficult, I'm told to do it in less than 10 minutes. What is music? Well, mechanically, it's a disturbance of the air. It is a disturbance that produces air waves, and especially those waves within the range of human hearing from 5 to 20,000 cycles per second, production of air waves that can affect the human emotion. But all of us know that doesn't define music, does it? <laughs> to define music is very difficult. You almost have to say, well, you have to experience it to know what we're talking about. And if you've never experienced it, you have no idea what we're talking about. Not only that, what is music to someone is just a bunch of sound and noise to someone else. The ministry Heather's involved in recognizes that and trying to find those sounds that appeal to various cultures. The music is one of God's gifts to humanity. Beautiful, beautiful gift. It is one of those gifts that can be a blessing or a curse. Music can so control one's emotions that rational thinking just leaves. And a skilled musician can take an audience anywhere he wants, for good or bad. For that reason, music is a blessing or a curse. All my life, I have heard that Satan was the chief choir director of heaven before his fall. I never looked into that, and so I decided to look into it in preparation for this morning. You know, I couldn't find that anywhere in the Word of God. <laughs> now, the two passages that are most often cited are Ezekiel 28, 12-19, Isaiah 14, 12-15, yet neither of these mention Satan. The first is a prophecy about the elation that God had given to the king of Tyre and then his downfall in very hyperbolic prophetic language is used. And in Isaiah, it, the same thing is true of the king of Babylon. And yet it is interesting that the very first musician mentioned in the Bible is Jubal. And Jubal was the seventh generation following Cain. He was not of the godly family of Abel, but a descendant of Cain, the family that had walked away from God. And yet, even though he's the first musician mentioned, music did not begin with Jubal. In Job, where God is addressing Job's somewhat haughtiness and the other's haughtiness and saying, where were you when I did this and where were you when I did that? And discussing the creation of the universe, he said, where were you when the stars of the morning sang and the sons of God shouted with joy? So music has always been with us. In the scriptures, we find music described as being used for many things, the praise of God, sorrow, gratitude, merriment. 
Interesting, I, I noticed several passages where it says that musicians prophesied upon their instruments. What does that mean? <laughs> I have no idea. Another interesting thing, twice in Scripture, when the temple had fallen into disrepair, first when Hezekiah came to repair it, and secondly when Josiah did the same thing a generation or two later, every time it says musicians played encouraging the workers. If you go where someone is doing a lot of carpentry, it's not surprising to have a crew working and on the background somebody's playing music, encouraging those as they were doing the physical labor. It was used, music was used through David to drive away an evil spirit that beset Saul. And then here's an interesting, when Elisha was called upon on one occasion to bring a prophecy, he said, bring me a minstrel. And a minstrel came and played upon his instrument. And while the minstrel played, the word of God came to Elisha. Interesting, isn't it, that music, maybe mood music, <laughs> created the setting for Elisha to hear the word of God. Well, on and on we could go about the different ways in which music is used in Scripture. But let me bring somewhat of a different emphasis. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and Romans chapter 12, we find lists of gifts of the Holy Spirit. I've never been convinced that those lists are exhaustive. They are what one would call occasional lists. They came out of a particular occasion, and in each of those occasions, the gifts listed are those that fit that particular occasion and the point the apostle was making. But from age to age, from generation to generation, culture to culture, God has given gifts for appropriate for that particular situation. And I believe the talented musicians are among the gifts that God has given us. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, we find Paul speaking of good things that God has given us to enjoy, pleasures that are ours that God has given as a gift. And Paul urges us to fully participate in these with thanksgiving unto God. A grandfather heard his granddaughter say there was something that she really wanted. And he searched and searched and searched and found it and bought it and wrapped it beautifully and gave it to the granddaughter. And she opened it and tossed it aside as something she didn't care about. That grandfather might be deeply hurt. But if she opened it, smiled and delight on her face and gratitude to the grandfather and made it a part of her life, he would be blessed. So it is when we receive the pleasures that God has given us as gifts. This morning we're going to please God by enjoying his gift of music. We're going to express gratitude for gifted musicians and one whose name we'll not mention, not so gifted. But we're ready to receive the gift. Let's begin. By the way, the elders, well, let me say this. If in the midst of any performance you get upset because of the nature of the music and you feel that excommunication is in order, blame the elders. 
they ask us to do this. Thank Bill Collier for being with us this morning. <laughs> Flown in at great expense from Jenks, Oklahoma. <laughs> Hear this here? Um, we, um, we're going to sing the uh, gospel song, Higher Ground. Words are up here. Uh, you're invited to uh, to sing along if you'd like. Okay. I'm pressing on the upward way, new heights I'm gaining every day. Faith on heaven's table land, a higher plane than I have found. Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. My heart has no desire to stay where doubts arise and fears dismay. Though some may dwell. My faith on heaven's table land, a higher place than I have found. Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. 
glory bright, but still I'll pray.
Well, we're here to give you a little uh, <laughs> Hebrew treat. <laughs> <laughs> there are some words up here, too, and this chorus is really easy to learn. So please sing along if you, um, if you would like. We're all about participation as well. Adonai, Adonai, Adonenu, Madir Shimcha Vokal Haaretz. Adonai, Adonai, Adonenu, Ashetana. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you ordain, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you visit him?
last, there's a real advantage to being last. It's sort of like, um, well, going to a church potluck dinner. If you're last in line, you don't have to leave anything for anybody else. <laughs> Tom and I are going to play something no one's heard before, we've never heard before, uh, because we're going to play loosely and uh, just whatever comes to us as we play. We're going to play two prayer songs. Prayer songs that are a plea to God to be close and to guide through the vicissitudes of life. No one knows who wrote, Take My Hand, Precious Lord. It first was sang as a spiritual around 1860 in the African-American churches. But the other song we're going to play today is different. Thomas Andrew Dorsey was born in 1899. His father was an itinerant preacher. Early on, he displayed great genius as a musician and began to play piano and organ in the church services. And then he fell into the trap that looms for every musician. Music became the most important thing in his life, not God. At 12 years of age, he quit school and left home to become a professional musician. He played in house parties in Atlanta, joined a vaudeville troupe, traveled about, landed in Chicago, and became quite well known in the jazz scene playing under the name of Georgia Tom. He was one of the most prolific writers of blues music during that period. He married Nettie Harper, had a wonderful marriage. He had the world by the string. Wonderful marriage, doing the thing he liked to do, playing music, and then a deep, dark depression came upon him for the first time in his life. For two years, he went deeper and deeper and deeper. His wife had to take a job as a laundry woman to support them. Friends tried to lift him. Nothing worked. His sister-in-law became a Christian. She said, Thomas, you need to come to church with me. She persuaded him. He did go to church, and there he heard the gospel. He has heard his father preach when he was a little boy. He totally surrendered his life to Jesus. He was delivered. He walked away from the jazz world and became active in the church. Now, gospel music had never existed before Thomas Dorsey. He brought the blues genre into the African-American church, and he is the man who originated gospel music. First song he wrote was, When You See the Savior, Tell Him You Saw Me. <laughs> he became well-known as a composer, as a choir director, as a soloist. And in 1932, there was a large assembly of churches planned to meet in St. Louis, and he was the unanimous choice be the choir director and soloist, but he didn't want to go because his wife, Nettie, was pregnant. What was he going to do? People were expecting him. Duty called. He kissed his wife, got in his Model A, drove to St. Louis. First night was a tremendous success. The people shouted song after song after song he sang. And when he finally sat down at an interlude, a Western Union messenger came up and handed him a telegram. He opened it, and it said this. 
your wife just died. He rushed to the phone, called home, and that was all he heard. Your wife is dead. Your wife is dead. He quickly drove back to Chicago, rushed up the stairs. There was his wife's body. They hadn't moved her. The baby boy was there, but the baby boy died before the day was over. And he went in for the second time in his life, went into a deep, deep depression. He closeted himself in the apartment, kept the blinds drawn. But after several days, a dear friend, Professor Fryer, came and said, Tom, come and go with me. I need to go to Madame Mullen's poor old school for some business. That was a neighborhood musical school. He persuaded Tom to go with him, and when they got there, he left Tom in a rehearsal room. He went off. Tom found himself seated on a piano bench in front of a piano, and for the first time in a long time, his fingers began to browse the keys. And he said he felt a peace like he had not known. He had been angry with God. God, I serve you. Is this the way you reward me? But a peace came over him. He said, I felt as if I could actually reach out and touch God. And then he realized his fingers were playing a tune he had never heard before and did not know. And then like raindrops from heaven, the words began to fall upon him. And that song has now been recorded in 40 languages. Precious Lord, take my hand. Lead me on. Let me stand. I'm tired. I'm weak. I'm worn. Lead me on through the night. Lead me on to the light. Precious Lord, take my hand. Lead me on.
Wasn't that great? Didn't we enjoy this morning? Amen. I want to thank Jim Garrett and Tom Buck. I want to thank uh, Hallett and, and uh, Tom and Bill for the first one, uh, for Josh Place. Great job. Heather and Ginger, just wonderful. And uh, Caleb, just amazing, I'll tell you, man. It was really good stuff. I'll tell you what, I enjoyed that. And think of the many different kinds of music that we experienced this morning. Uh, isn't that a reflection of what some of the scriptures we read this morning? You praise the Lord with the flute. You praise the Lord with the harp and different instruments and different styles of music. And it's a reflection, I believe, of what we're going to experience in heaven someday. Amen? It also amazes me how much musical talent we have per capita in this little church. It's quite remarkable when you think about it. So let's uh, stand together. I want to remind you that we have a basket down here. It's our habit at the last Sunday of each month to receive a benevolence offering. If you'd like to give toward that, you can do that. And uh, remember, we're having our meal following the service. Um, please feel free to stay for that. We're going to pray for that meal now. When you're, when you're done, when you're done visiting in here, just go right through the line, sit down and begin to eat. The other thing we're going to get to enjoy is Hallett and Tom and Bill are going to play some live music. So not, not too many church potlucks have live music. So we're going to get to enjoy that during, and we, we may let them stop for a few minutes to eat or we may just crack the whip and keep them going. So, uh, don't forget our Sunday night activities, and uh, we'll, we'll pray to dismiss now, and we'll also pray for our meal. Dear Heavenly Father, we're grateful for the gift of music. We're grateful that you blessed us with that gift, even here this morning, through so many different ones of our own with different styles and different voices and different instruments, and we're grateful that that reflects the variety that you have provided in music. And we thank you for this time this morning, Father. Thank you for each one, Lord, who gave of their time and energy. We know, Father, that these things don't just happen. They don't get up here and just play. But, Father, there's time to uh, learn the piece and then rehearse and rehearse and rehearse. And so we're grateful for these people who've given of their time and energy to bless us this morning with the gift of music. Father, we pray for our time of fellowship now as we go to this meal. We thank you for your wonderful provision in all of our lives. Bless this food. Bless our time together, Lord. Accomplish what you desire.